0: What it is
1: to be hope all to Excellence has been established by Coach Wilkinson, Coach Switzer, and Coach Stoops. It's my responsibility to defend that standard and to build upon that standard. Welcome to the Oklahoma Drow Podcast with your hosts, Jesse Kirkendiz and Brian Clark. Hello, Sooner Nation, OU Insider, subscribers, coach Brian Clinton, enthusiasts, college football playoff committee, skeptics? Yeah, skeptics. Yeah. Um, that's that's probably a lot of us. Uh, afternoon coffee drinkers, which is where I am today. Uh, this is the podcast for you. This is the Oklahoma Drill-fueled podcast by OU Insider and the Rivals Network. I am Jesse Crittenden and I am of course joined by my co-host Sir Coach Esquire Brian Clinton the 3rd. Are you the 3rd? You're not the 3rd. No,
0: I'm the first. One and only.
1: You're the, three, you're the one you're the one and only Brian Clinton. Mr. <laughs> sir Coach Brian Clinton. How are you doing, sir?
0: I'm good. I'm uh kind of dealing with We've got a we've got a bug going through the the Clinton house. I have been packing myself with vitamin C as much as I possibly can get in, but uh got a sick little one in the back, so if she comes charging through the door here at any point, we're just gonna have to make it work so but uh she's she's taking a nap right now trying to get over it. It's just that time of year.
1: I'm sorry to hear that, but and I'm just gonna throw this out there H- Have you thought about just saying nah? No, no sickness. Not gonna. Just
0: speaking it into existence. Yeah, just say I'm not gonna get sick.
1: Yeah. Uh, Once you see the sickness coming, just say,
0: (laughs) "Okay, yeah, and no, don't bug me, flu bug."
1: (laughs) Yeah. Or have you have you thought about telling your daughter just don't be sick anymore? Yeah. Does that work?
0: Just stay away from me. You don't need (laughs) me. You're two years old. You can fend for yourself.
1: That's old Um, enough, right? (laughs) I mean, I think once you turn six months, I mean that's. World's your oyster at that point, right? Yeah,
0: well, I mean, I'm surprised she's not. What did Ron Swanson how old Was Ron Swanson whenever he took over a steel mill? Six, six so, years yeah. old. So she's a little behind the eight ball there. She needs to get going if she's going to get to that pace. But
1: well, he also got run over by a school bus when he was nine or That's something. True. So, yeah. you know, got to make sure you're following that trajectory. Probably a good <laughs> thing. I'm not a parent. Brian, there is this is a, this kind of a weird week. Uh, it followed what was a weird or not weird, but an interesting weekend in college football. Obviously the portal, the transfer portal opened up on Sunday and there's already been a lot of activity, uh, from an Oklahoma point of view, not only Mm -hmm. players entering the portal, but also OU's interest in a lot of people uh or in a lot of players also you know we're a couple of days removed from some controversy with the college football playoff committee uh we've got no games this weekend other than the heisman trophy uh presentation i did make my heisman trophy selection officially on monday morning i waited till right before the deadline to get that vote in um so it was an interesting vote this year. But Brian, I figured with all of that context, because mm-hmm. normally we preview, you know, we talk about the previous week's game for Oklahoma, we, we, or we review it, we preview the next game. Don't have that this week. So I figured we could spice it up a little bit, play a classic game of true or false, where I just berate you with prompts. Okay. And then you tell me true or false. Love it. The first one is going to be not not specifically OU-related. Okay. True or false, the college football playoff committee got it correct by putting Alabama in over Florida State in the number four seed. True or false? True.
0: Um, Explain yourself. I think this was a truly impossible situation. Somebody – was going to get left out in the cold and feel wronged. Um, Georgia hadn't lost in 29 games. Georgia was favored uh, by a touchdown and was the number one team in the country. Right or wrong, uh, Alabama ended that streak, looked good doing it, looked physical. I mean, that very well may have been the national championship game. Like, I I mean, it, it has been in the past. Now, do I believe SEC bias played into that a little bit? Sure. I mean, it's been the best conference. I mean, we can't sit here and pretend that it hasn't been the best conference in the college football playoff era. It has. So I think that part of that uh, is certainly something worth noting. But if Jordan Travis doesn't get injured, Florida State is is in. I mean, it's it's I think it's pretty cut and dry, but, I also think in a in another in another realm, it would be really interesting to see if Jordan Travis had been healthy and things can and things still played out the way that they did if Florida State won 16 to 6 over Louisville, if Georgia goes down to Bama and then and then Texas looks the way that it does in the Big 12 championship. I would still be really interested to see how that ends up playing out. Um I, I just yesterday, I think CBS Sports is who had it. Um they they had asked uh, they had, they'd gotten a hold of an anonymous uh college football playoff committee member who said that the the main reason why they left florida state out was they just they they had serious doubts that florida state could win a national championship and i i mean i, I know that's not in the that's not in the list of of protocols but neither is being undefeated it nowhere does it say if you're undefeated you're guaranteed anything i know that's been the case to this point but i do feel the best four teams at this point in the season combined with most deserving um i I think that they got the the four teams that are in there correct
1: so in the interest of this being called the oklahoma drill which is uh a great name but hasn't always been aptly titled because you and i typically agree about most if not everything this might be the first time in this pod's history i've got to disagree with you here a little bit so now we've got to find we've got the oklahoma drill we're lining up here we go one now i okay i don't necessarily disagree with you i really don't i i think it's a it's a really complicated thing because this really exposed the entire flaw of a 14 playoff yes and not only a 14 playoff for five power conferences but also having a committee of people who a lot of them don't really have connection to the sport which tells so then the question is what what are the priorities for them and it's going to be television revenue all that kind of stuff i it's an interesting thing because there are i think arguments that i mean yeah the sec objectively has been the more dominant uh has been the most dominant conference of the last 15 years at minimum you could Mm. probably make an argument for before that and that went over georgia was really impressive. Uh, it, it really, really was um, for Alabama. I think Jalen Milrow uh, is playing really, really well. Um, I think if he had gotten some playing time earlier in the season, I think we'd be talking about him more as a legitimate Heisman candidate. But I, I think the thing I take exception to, and you didn't say this, I think the thing I take exception to is a couple of things. One, as impressive as that win over Georgia was, I don't want to act like this is an Alabama team that steamrolled everybody. In fact, right. there were moments, there were actually multiple moments in the season. I mean, they struggled against the Arkansas team that finished one and seven in conference play. Mm-hmm. They needed a miracle play to beat a middling Auburn team. They narrowly beat Texas or Texas m They were tied at halftime with South Florida. And so I, I, I So I I say all that to say within the... Con, I've heard some people just say, well, Alabama's just better. And to me, that's not only subjective, but also I think ignoring that as impressive as that Georgia win was, mm-hmm. let's not act like they beat every team by 50. Right. I think the other thing is, I, I don't love the message that Jordan Travis getting hurt and that's the reason why they're out. I don't love that message. I think it sends a really bad message. I think it sends a message that well, it doesn't matter about the rest of the team. It, your your team is on one play. One, yeah. I don't like that. I also don't like ignoring the fact that they continued to win without Jordan Travis, which is really the name of the game. I even saw Paul Feinbaum say something about um, yeah, uh, their win over Louisville wasn't impressive because Louisville lost to Kentucky. What is Florida State supposed to do about that? Not to mention they beat LSU and Florida. Right. Yeah, in the non-conference, I, to me, like I think once you start going to arguments like that, just say you want Alabama in, right? Mm-hmm. I think once you start going to arguments like that, and I do think it sends it is it is it does go against everything this committee's done in the past to leave Florida State out. Yeah. But on the same token, even if Jordan Travis was healthy, who would you probably pick to win between Bama and Florida State? You would probably pick Bama. Mm-hmm. It's an in, it's an interesting thing. I don't know what the right answer is, but to but to me, I to me, what all this underscores is the 12-team playoff is going to be a welcomed thing for me. And I've heard some arguments that well, you're now we're just going to be talking about the teams that are left out at 12, 13, 14. To Mm -hmm. me, that's that's not the same thing as teams that are fourth, fifth, and sixth, right? It's just not the same thing. And two, now we're gonna have we're gonna have objective ways to get into the playoff if you yes. win your conference you're in and I would much rather have discussions about wild card teams and not about unbeaten an unbeaten power five champion and then the one last champion of the conference that's been the most dominant if we're not having this, like, I would rather have discussions about wild card teams mm-hmm. is that I mean that's that's to me my take I'm not saying it's going to be perfect but that's been my ultimate takeaway
0: I have, I have some quarrels with a twelve-team playoff. I, I think, I think six or eight is the perfect is the perfect number. I think eight would be the perfect number. You have, uh, your your four. I guess it's going to be power four champions now, uh, and then you take a your highest ranked, your highest ranked uh, group of five, and then three at larges. I think that would be perfect because this was a perfect example. This, this year you had seven teams who had a legitimate argument of getting in and then you throw in, I mean, I would feel awful for Liberty drawing Michigan or whoever they draw But I mean, that's just, again, however you end up uh, working that out. But yes, I agree. Uh, you're hundred percent right. I think it's so much better that there is set rules on this is what happens. This is how you get in. Yes, is it going to be weird when a 9 and 4 Oklahoma State team upsets a Texas in the Big 12 championship and gets in? Sure, yeah, that's going to be weird, but in those kinds of situations with the amount of at large teams you have, the right teams will still get in. I I just I don't see I can't really make an argument for 12, 13, 14 really deserving a shot. Does does Oklahoma really deserve a shot at a national championship this year? I, I don't think so, but again, that's subjective I, I think you could say they have the best win in the country their their uh win over Texas is the is the highest ranked win of anybody in the final college football playoff rankings they're the first team or the highest ranked one lost team so that gives Oklahoma the best win but uh losses to Kansas Oklahoma State you can argue those things back and forth um but yeah I think a 12 team playoff, For if for nothing else, I'm excited that we're going to have playoff games on campus. I think that's exactly, I think that's how college football was supposed to be experienced. And then, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a really, really good thing for some of these programs that just haven't had the shot, haven't had the opportunity. So it'll be good. It'll be good.
1: A couple interesting things there, just quickly. I think one, I mean, you're, you're right about the, I mean, there the 12-team playoff means that one team that doesn't have an amazing record is going to get in. But, I mean, you even look at, you look at the NFL playoffs, even look at the, look at the NFC South yep. this year, where it's just, yeah, you, you can't, not everything is going to be perfect. You're not going to get literally every it's not always going to look good all the time, but it's It's just going to be nice to know, okay, if you win your conference, mm-hmm. you're in. And to me, I, I think it's college football is a weird thing where I think some of the subjectivity is what makes college football fun. Yeah. You know, and yeah. in debates and arguments, that's part of what makes it fun. But I do think college football has desperately needed a dose of objectivity, a dose of, okay, the goal is clear. Yep. Win your
0: conference. 100%. Yep.
1: yep. And you don't. And you can't end up like Florida State. Who? What? The, what are they? They had two hard non-conference games. They played their conference schedule, mm-hmm. and they're and they literally beat every team on their schedule, and they're out. And that that hurts. And I think yes. that's the type of thing you want to avoid. Agreed. Yeah. You know. Um, but you mentioned Oklahoma there about national championship. Do they deserve that? That leads into the next true or false.
0: Hmm. I thought this was going where <laughs> I think it is.
1: Did Well, did, did Oklahoma – or wait, not – okay, sorry. True or false, Oklahoma got snubbed by the College Football Playoff Committee in not earning a New Year's Six Bowl bid? True. True or false? True.
0: So true. Um, when so, did we start – when did this sport start rewarding teams for good losses instead
1: losses. of
0: good wins? I I mean old miss is, look old miss has two losses this year just like oklahoma their losses were a close loss to alabama and then they got beat by georgia 52 to 17 um who who's their best win on the year if i'm not mistaken i believe it was a shootout win over lsu who's ranked yeah. behind oklahoma um what what are we talking about i mean oklahoma has a win over The Big Twelve champion in Texas, who's in the college football playoff, and the American champion in SMU. Um, I just I don't understand why they're behind Ole Miss. There's the one team that I could argue that I could see an argument for them being behind that has two losses is Penn State. But still, I I mean, Penn State's best wins against Iowa. Granted, it was like thirty-one to nothing. They played both Ohio State and Michigan close, so you could say those are object those objectively are better losses than what Oklahoma had. But still, OU's got the best win of those. Um, I, I to me it almost felt as if once the committee figured out the top six, it was just like, holy crap, it's eight a.m. We've got to get these things out quickly. Uh, let's just keep what we have and the you know in, in the rest of the top twelve. I mean, it was it felt like nothing happened from. You know those ten, those two lost teams. Nothing changed, and I think that uh, you know w- with what with what Oklahoma has done, uh, with how they stacked up in the metrics against those other teams, it just didn't make sense. I mean, even Missouri, it didn't make sense for them to be ranked three spots behind a Missouri team. I, I just, I don't know. It, it that's really frustrating because I, I I do think that the Peach Bowl matchup should have been Penn State Oklahoma, not Penn State Ole Miss, but you know, here we are headed to the Alamo Bowl in a few weeks. Um, you know, we'll just have to see everything plays out, but yeah, Oklahoma definitely was snubbed.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would say that. I mean, I think going into the weekend, I, I would agree with you. I-, I think going into the weekend, Oklahoma clearly faced an uphill battle. I mean, they were directly behind Missouri and Penn State and Old Miss, yeah. um, the- these two lost teams. And it's hard to move up when you don't play, and especially on conference championship weekend, where most of the teams that are playing are ranked ahead of you. It's a tough, right? It's a tough place to be. But I thought surely, not only when Texas won, and not only when SMU won, but when we got to the rankings into the top four, and Florida State had gotten left out, to me, like all of that looked like it was signaling, oh shoot, Oklahoma's gonna land in the top eleven.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And, and yeah, I think the committee's explanation on why they didn't move Oklahoma up was uh, unsatisfactory, I think, is the I think that's the best way to put it. They basically pointed to Penn State's win over Iowa. That was it. That was kind of like what he said and. Basically, basically, it's clear, if you want to give the committee props for anything, I guess, is consistency. They held Kansas and Oklahoma State's victories over Oklahoma against them so much that nothing that happened over the weekend changed their minds about that. And you can you can argue that those losses aren't amazing. They're not. They're not amazing. Oklahoma should have won those games. But... I thought once Texas got in to the number three spot, I thought it was, I thought it was a given Oklahoma was going to get in the top 11. I did. Too. I, I just did. And to me, even getting into the Alamo bowl against Arizona tells me that I, I don't know. I think it was, it was just weird to, I think most fans had accepted that Okay, New York six is not going to happen this year. And then everything happened and it's like, Oh shoot. Now they're going to get in. And then it was almost like a weird not a gut rug punch. Rug yeah. Yeah, 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 kind of. Uh, maybe – I would probably agree with you. And I think – but it's also weird because this Arizona matchup is going to be good.
0: Arizona uh, is Arizona's
1: a good team.
0: They're favored. After Dylan Gabriel – after Dylan Gabriel left, the The line jumped from 2.5 in Oklahoma's favor to 3.5 in Arizona's. So, yeah. I mean, this is a good football team.
1: It is. And despite this not being a New Year's Six Bowl, this is a big opportunity for Oklahoma in a lot of ways. This is a big opportunity. And there's, there's a lot – going into this game, but okay. And then you mentioned Dylan Gabriel. So let's segue that in to the next installment of true or false. It is, it is surprising that Dylan Gabriel entered the transfer portal. True or false. I'm going to say false. Um,
0: the, <laughs> the, the way that I looked at it is for, for he was gone. I mean, regardless of what happened, I think Dylan most people knew or understood just with the way that the just the way that context was being used all season long in, in conversations with the coaching staff with Dylan himself, uh, talking about this being his last year. Um, I, I think everybody kind of assumed that meant the NFL and it, and it may have at one point, but I think that this is one of those times where Dylan has this opportunity to make life-changing money. Um, for one more season guaranteed and is, is able to uh, go and find a, a new opportunity with the NIL, with NIL and and with the new school. And, and, you know, he was already headed to the West coast before Jeff Levy called. He was, he was going to UCLA. So, I, I mean, was it a little bit surprising that Oregon jumped out as the, as the main contender for him and, uh, you know, looks to be the, the the probable destination for him at this point. Yes. But I would say no, it's not, it's not very surprising because I I think a lot of people expected him to follow Jeff Levy to Mississippi state. Now, again, that's, that's, it's really conjecture at this point. We don't really know what he was planning on because he wasn't open about that, but Uh, you could kind of tell on that last send off, you know, whenever he, he hugged Brent Venables on the way off the field and, and handed the reins over to Jackson Arnold against TCU there in the fourth quarter. Like it it did, it did feel like a changing of the guard. And I think that looking back with hindsight now, um, you know, he knew that that was the last post game press conference he was going to give and, uh, at Oklahoma at least. And, and I think that it was either the transfer portal or the NFL and it just so happened to be the transfer portal.
1: It is uh, – so I, uh, I'll i shout out uh, Eli, my good friend Eli Letterman over at Sellout Crowd. Uh, Dylan Gabriel was at an event yesterday afternoon, and forgive me, it was something with OU Soul Mission. It was with Josh Norman. And um, he basically said – he said that his plan after the season was going to be to go to the NFL draft. And then he got some draft grades back and realized it's not really in the cards for him, or at least he's not going to get drafted very highly if he went mm-hmm. this year. And that was my suspicion. I think Dylan Gabriel is an interesting player to look at because by all the metrics, especially this year, he, for all his inconsistencies for all of the weird moments and, and bad throws every now and then Dylan Gabriel has objectively been one of the best players in college football this year. Yep. Just objectively. And it, it's it's weird because it's for any bad moment you can look at really really good moments where he made incredible throws and made incredible plays but i think trying to look at his his nfl draft prospects it's always been a little weird to gauge yep and to me it's not surprising that that despite all of that, I mean, despite really good moments that he's not seen super highly around the league, he's kind of a unique player in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though, cause you're right. Look, Dylan, I mean, Brent Venable said it before the season started that this was going to be Dylan Gabriel's final year and that Jackson Arnold needs to prepare to be, you know, the, the, the starting quarterback at Oklahoma moving forward. I am a little surprised that it seemed like that was that even publicly, not just privately, but publicly that seemed to be the plan before the season even started was that Dylan Gabriel would move on, whether it was to another school or to the NFL, mm-hmm. because you're putting a lot of hopes on Jackson Arnold right next year. You just are. Yep. That's a and, and I'm not saying he can't do that. I'm not saying Jackson Arnold can't deliver. I'm not saying he can't come in next year and be fantastic. But you're putting a lot on a second-year player in his first year in college football, and I am a little surprised that that seemed to be a foregone conclusion about Don Gabriel before the season even started. It's a little—it's interesting to it say is, the least.
0: yeah, it, it is. And I think what you saw Dylan do this year was he he maximized his potential. I, I think that this was given his athletic ability, which you know obviously is better than anything. you or I has ever, well, I won't, I won't speak for you, but it is better than anything you that I have ever, uh, experienced myself. He did, he did maximize his capabilities this year. And I think that going forward a year in, in, a in the program for, for Jackson Arnold is, is huge. I mean, you, you know, what it's like being a freshman in college. I mean, just trying to figure everything out once he's gotten the role of that, I think, at the end of the day, the physical limitations that that Dylan Gabriel has are not going to be an issue for Jackson Arnold. It's just it's just you know the height issues, the the the, the arm strength, things like that. the 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 size that Dylan Gabriel is, guys that get drafted high are incredible athletes if they have size issues. Yeah, Bryce, Bryce Young, Kyler Murray. Baker Mayfield has a howitzer for an arm. Like, you know, these guys that that are, that are smaller in stature compared to, you know, your Trevor Lawrences, they have really, really great intangibles uh, athletically. And so, you know, I've never looked at Dylan Gabriel as a future franchise NFL quarterback. I just don't know that that's in the cards for him. I do think he okay. can be a serviceable NFL quarterback or a backup. I mean, if he could land in Miami and be to a tongue of ILO backup as a left-handed quarterback. I mean, I, I think that that would be a really good spot for him, but, um, there there's just so many things. I mean, being a left-handed quarterback in and of itself is a challenge in the NFL. I mean, that's, yeah. you've got to change a lot of, uh, you've got to change a lot of things up uh, and an offense has to be built around you for that to work. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is the best case scenario for for Gabriel is is landing at a spot like Oregon, who's gonna be a ready made contender. Um, and I wish him all the best. I think he really did a good job solidifying himself as as one of the key components for for an Oklahoma team that's trying to turn their program around. He was an excellent uh quarterback for, for Oklahoma this season. I mean He's going to be the least ballyhooed quarterback in OU history to pass or to have 4,000 total yards and 42 touchdowns in a season. I mean, yeah. he's eight touchdowns behind Jaden Daniels, who likely wins the Heisman Trophy. So it's like, I don't know. It's incredible uh, what he did for Oklahoma this year, and and uh, I certainly am and hoping for the best for him.
1: I'll say just a couple of quick things to that one. Completely agree with you. I think Dylan Gabriel is a quarterback that, honestly should be appreciated even more by Oklahoma fans for what he did. I I don't even – it's tough to think about where this program would have been if Dylan Gabriel didn't didn't, – if Dylan Gabriel didn't come to Norman. That is – that's a scary proposition. Even as bad as the 6-7 and season was, even as bad as the two losses against Oklahoma State and Kansas were this year, Brent Vittables basically had to rebuild the program from the ground up. And Dylan Gabriel came in as a ready-made – experienced good quarterback and i think as time goes on he'll he'll be appreciated more and more Mm -hmm. as the years go on Two, want to make it clear that jackson arnold is going to be an incredible quarterback i'm willing to bet all kinds of you know everything on that and i think he can do that as soon as next season Mm -hmm. three i agree with you i think um I think it just makes sense for Dylan Gabriel to move on before the bowl game. I would be shocked if Dylan Gabriel plays in the bowl game. I know there's a little bit of weirdness out there. It's been vague. I'm I think it's clear that they're ready for Jackson Arnold to be the quarterback one. And this bowl game is a huge opportunity against a good Arizona team to not only have Jackson Arnold get his first start, but to also have Seth Luttrell in tow. I mean, those that's your, those are the two leaders of your offense. Yep. And you get a chance to, start that before you get to the sec against a good team that just makes sense to me.
0: I, uh, I don't know why it's a gut feeling, but it's a strong gut feeling. I, I think Jackson Arnold's going to light it up in the album. Yeah. I don't know why I just, I have a feeling that it's going to look really, it's going to look really good. 15 practices. Yeah. I'm telling you, I I mean, you remember last year, how much better that Oklahoma team looked in the bowl game than they had uh, in the season in uh season ending game. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm excited about it.
1: Yeah. And that's what I was. I mean, it's it's just a it's just night and day from coming in at halftime against BYU when you're not expecting to and you're on the road in a hostile environment. It's different when you've got weeks mm-hmm. to prepare for a neutral field. It's it's just a different thing. The last thing I'll say is I think it makes sense for Dylan Gable to go somewhere like Oregon. Um, I've got I had a couple people I said on the quick Slants video with Parker yesterday, I said that. I said something along the lines that Oregon provides a more clear path to national championship contention. And I got a couple of texts like, wow, you don't think Oklahoma can contend for a national championship next year? And I was like, that's not, that is not what I meant. I, I really, I have no idea what to expect from Oklahoma next year. I think it's going to depend largely on how they do on the transfer portal the next few weeks, how they do in the spring when the window opens back up for a little yeah. bit. And also, it's just, you know, this year was an interesting year where they looked really good and then moments where they didn't look really good. And the SEC is just going to bring a whole new ball game. not only even just in terms of elevated competition or, cons- or consistently elevated competition, but it's just a whole new environment, new teams, new yeah. travel schedule, different priorities. I think if you told me right now Oklahoma's in the playoff next year and is a genuine SEC title contender, that that wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't. I just – it's going to be hard to project how Oklahoma does in their first season in the SEC where Oregon, even with losing Bo Nix, Dylan Gabriel can step in right away, and I think Oregon is going to be one of those teams easily next season that you look at as a as a playoff contender. Yeah. You just do
0: I'm curious to see how they fit in in the big 10. I'm, I am curious about that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And you know, but the good news is I still think Oregon, Washington, Ohio state, Michigan, like those four teams and maybe Penn state to a lesser extent, if they can get the right fit at quarterback, those teams, those five teams right there are, are, are the ones that you've got to worry about. And I don't, I don't know who Oregon has on their schedule next year, but uh, if they can dodge one or two of those teams, I, I think Dan Lanning's proven that that he's capable of of outside of against Washington, he's capable of of doing some really big things there at Oregon. So I think it's a great fit. I think it's a really good fit.
1: I do too, and I think I think it ends up being mutually beneficial for for both sides. Yeah. Brian, I think just to, I think just to, you know, as far as where Oklahoma is at right now, that the main thing is the transfer portal. That is, we saw the exodus of players, uh, not exodus. uh, Sorry. Shouldn't, shouldn't use the word exodus. Sorry. It was in that ESPN, headline. And for some reason, that's the word that popped in my head. It was not an exodus. uh, Several players entered the transfer portal. Uh, Not only Dylan Gabriel, but Marcus major, Tawi Walker, uh, Dalen Smothers, Key Lawrence, Savion Bird, um, Jason Llewellyn, a lot, of, I mean, several players that entered the portal. I don't think any of them have been shot. I mean, I I think there's still going to be a little bit, I think there's still going to be a few more players that enter the portal. Um, but nothing so far has really shocked me outside of probably Dalen Smothers, would you agree with that? That's probably the yeah. That's probably the only name outside of kind of Dylan Gabriel that I was like, oh, was not expecting him to. It, I mean, a true freshman running back, four-star guy. I don't think Oklahoma's coaching staff expected it either. I think it's pretty clear they didn't.
0: Yeah, he's been really the only surprise for me this far. I, I think everybody else, not necessarily processed outside of Dylan Gabriel, but a, a lot of other guys that that have entered the portal, it feels almost as if, you know, that was something that the coaching staff at least wasn't blindsided by.
1: Yeah. I think just, I mean, look, there's probably going to be a few more players, but for the most part, I think the bull are a few more players that enter the portal, but I think the bulk of the Oklahoma players who were going to enter the portal have already done. So now we don't know, we don't know all the players who are going to leave through the NFL draft or to the NFL draft. I think we have a good inkling on some Mm -hmm. of those players, um, but so there's still some things to figure out. But to me, I think we've enough has happened that we have a decent idea of not only what OU's roster is going to look like going into the bowl game, but also what OU needs in the transfer portal. And to me, uh, I mean, look, they, going to the SEC, it, it changes the ball game. They need to get better at every position, they just do. But if you had to pick one defensive position group, what position group not only needs some help but needs needs some experienced transfer portal guys to be able to come in and make an impact right away? If if you had to pick one,
0: mine's gonna be real boring. If you ask me, offense, I can give you both offensive and defensive. Yeah, right give now. me both. Yeah, it's the offensive and defensive line. Mm. Uh, that's where SEC games are won and lost. Period. I mean, skill, talent, obviously, having a having an incredible quarterback having uh, a guy a one-on-one wide receiver that's going to win 70 percent of the 50 50 balls guys like that uh obviously make do make a difference but in the end your games are won and lost in the trenches uh defensive we'll, we'll go defensive first um it's the defensive line oklahoma needs difference makers on the defensive line you're losing jordan kelly you're losing isaiah co you're losing uh, there's there's several other names there. Um, Jonah, Jonah Lalu or Laulu, you're losing Rondell Bothroyd. There's, there's lots of guys from that defensive line that are leaving, uh, th- that are kind of leaving a void there that needs to be filled. And so Oklahoma, I expect them to, to take several shots at guys. Uh, but th- the issue is, and you've probably spoken about this at some point with, with Parker, with Brandon, the, the Sooners situation with scholarships is is a little bit tricky right now. And so yeah. it's not going to be this portal class of 17, 18, 19 guys that that you've seen Oklahoma take over the last couple of years. I think Venables is finally getting this roster to a point where he's supplementing with yeah. the the transfer portal, not necessarily building his program. So uh, defensive line, and then if I had to pick another one, I would say you do need another corner somewhere. But yeah. um, the, the defensive line is where I would go.
1: No, I agree with you and that's why I I mistakenly used the word exodus because look, the mm-hmm. last 2 years Brivetables did have to completely rebuild this roster through the portal. Yep. That's not going to be the case this year. That's what I mean, if, for anybody that's expecting OU to land 20 or so guys in the portal like they have the last 2 years or you know 20 or more, mm-hmm. probably not going to be the case this year. They not only do I are they going to have more roster continuity, but they do, like you just mentioned the scholarships I just don't think they are going to be able to accommodate, you know, th- that kind of, that kind of intake, not to mention, you've still got high school recruiting. I mean, national signing days in two weeks right? or early or early signing day, Christmas mm-hmm. signing day is in two weeks. I agree with you, Ryan, because you look at the offensive line. Now I think one of the positives that came out of the last few weeks of the season is Jacob Sexton and Caden green look like the real deal. They look yep. like guys you can build an offensive line around and that's huge. But um, I mean, you're it's possible you're losing Andrew Rain. It's possible you're losing Tyler Guyton. You're losing McCade Matower. Uh, you're losing Savion Bird. You're losing Aaron Parks. You're losing Nate Anderson. Walter Rouse. Walter Rouse. All of a sudden, that offensive line room, there's there's still potential there. I mean, we didn't even mention Jake Taylor. Right. Um, there's still p- potential there. There's still talent there, but I think you need not only more depth, but you need more experience going into the, your, your first season as in the SEC. I, I think if you're if you're relying on a bunch of first and second year guys or guys that haven't seen a ton of playing time, that is just mm-hmm. a recipe for failure yep. to me. I actually think above anything else, I think this team, especially now, look, I, I think some of those names, you know, I just mentioned, you know, guys like, like Andrew Rame, Tyler Guyton. Those are guys that we expect to declare for the draft. They haven't yet. Mm -hmm. expect them to but those are i mean it hurts it hurts to lose those guys going into the sec and to me i think assuming all that happens i think bar none the number one priority is the offensive line I i just
0: absolutely let me ask you this if you have let's pretend we're millionaires i've got a i've got a beautiful gigantic house that, uh, you know, I, I can't even, I don't even know where I would go with that. A beautiful house filled with all the cars I could ever want. What's, what, what am I going to, what's, I'm going to be paying, happily paying a lot for insurance, right? Like, I mean, you need, you need that insurance.
1: Uh, I see, I see. It took me, so I wasn't sure where you were going. I got you.
0: Think about where, Oklahoma's – think about where Oklahoma's season goes if Jackson Arnold isn't able to stay healthy. The yeah. SEC schedule is going to be tough. I mean, I, I, there was a tweet out there the other day. Oklahoma's schedule next year has teams currently ranked 3, 4, 9, 11, and 21 on the schedule. So, like, th- it's tough. It's going to be a tough schedule. Um, they need to have – guys in place that are going to be able to protect Jackson Arnold and it's going to be, it's going to be something that I I feel that staff probably looks and recognizes, you know, yeah, Troy Everett probably steps in as a good center, but you have to have another tackle that's ready to step in and go. You've got to have one or two guards that are ready to step in and go. Um, you need some big boys on the inside. You need some, some maulers on the inside at guard that are going to help you not only protect Jackson Arnold, but but open up holes in the running game against, I mean, what is going to be a huge step up in competition in, in opponent defensive lines. So, uh, yeah, I would agree with you 100% that the offensive line has got to be the priority in the portal.
1: And I would – no, I I absolutely – and I would say I think your point about the defensive line is right. I think specifically defensive tackle, I think I think the fortunate part is – you know, uh, you know, even outside of our Mason Thomas or you know, PJ at a um, I, I think, I think the team, I mean, they, they can add again, not trying to, not trying to split hairs. They need to, they need some upgrades almost everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, just in general. I mean, every team does to a certain extent. I think that they're going to have some, they're going to have some stuff at defensive end. I think defensive tackle. Um, is going to be a thing. I mean, you're losing, yeah, like you said, Jonah Laolu, you're losing Jordan Kelly, you're losing Isaiah Coe, um, and you're also losing Rondale Bothroyd, who saw the majority of the snaps at, at defensive end or saw a lot of snaps at defensive end. So, yeah, I think it is going to be really pivotal. Again, given the, the, you know, limited number of potential scholarships. Mm-hmm. OU is going to have to make all of these count. Cause again, yep. they're not, they're not necessarily in a rebuilding effort and they don't have all the scholarships they can give. Yep. So if they land somebody like each one is going to be pivotal. Cause for each person you land, there's likely one other person you're not taking. Right. And yep. that's, yeah.
0: Evaluations have to be on point in this one. Your evals have to be, I mean, you, you literally have to hit, you know, that, this isn't one of those, this isn't going to be like a scattergun approach. Like we kind of saw, I mean, it, it really was that, um, in, in the last couple of years where they just, they, they went out there and got, you know, this guy looks better than what we have currently to work with. So let's, let's take him. That's not what this is this year. I mean, I, I think I, I, I feel pretty confident in saying you have probably 10 or less guys coming in the portal. Uh, and and Oklahoma needs every one of those guys to hit um, if if they're going to uh, compete for an SEC title next year.
1: Yeah, you're probably not really in the market for a for a project. You're, no, you're probably not in the market no. for a guy that you stash away and maybe in a year or two. No, I think you're right. I think everybody you land in the portal, you need to be reasonably confident can come in and make an impact next year. Yep. See the field, Brian. I think by the time we do this uh, again next week, I think we're gonna have. I think there's going to be a lot that happens in the next week. I think we're going to have a much clearer picture of not only where Oklahoma is, but also, um, uh, you know, OU is obviously still practicing. I mean, they've got the Alamo Bowl in uh, in three weeks. Uh, There is expected to be some media availability this weekend, potentially with Seth Luttrell. Um, I think things. I think we're going to have a better picture of a lot of different things by the time we meet next week uh before before uh, before we get out of here Brian real quick I can't say because obviously I'm I uh I officially voted for the Heisman and I am not allowed to release my picks until after the award winner is announced is Jaden Daniels your guy you you is that is that who you would go with or if you had a vote who would you pick I
0: think individually Jaden Daniels has had the best season is the best player in college football um if you wanted to go the team route, I think it has to be Michael Penix. I mean, what he has done, like the the story uh, of him, you know, kind of being cast away there at, at Indiana, and then he lands at Washington, has the year he had last year, and then this year just boom, like I mean he's put he's put Washington on his back a couple of times and gotten them to 13 and 0 and and into the playoffs. So I think you could go that route. Either one of those two guys, I would be totally happy with. But uh, if I had to vote, my vote would be uh, Jaden Daniels one, Michael Penix two, Bo Nix three, uh, and then you know Marvin Harrison four. What's interesting is those three quarterbacks, those three finalists for the Heisman, all of them transfer portal guys, every single yeah. one of them.
1: Yeah, it's probably gonna. It's stuff like that's probably that's just it's just the new age of college football. Yep. It just is. And that's, man, I hadn't even I hadn't even thought about like I hadn't even thought of it like that, but that's so true. Um probably I mean, if you want if you want one thing to point at to show what new college football world we're in, it's that. Yep. Right there. Should be interesting, Brian. Um, I think that's gonna do it for us here at the Oklahoma Drill. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. You can you know you can always find new episodes of the Oklahoma Drill every Thursday on our OU Insider YouTube channel. Or anywhere you find your podcasts. Uh, If you're not a a VIP member over at ouinsider.com, go ahead and head over there. It's transfer portal season. A lot of craziness going on right now. National signing day is just in a couple of weeks. Uh, A lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff behind a paywall over at ouinsider.com that you won't find here. But if not, not something you're interested in, you can always subscribe to this YouTube channel where you'll get a ton of content from myself, from Brian in his Field Vision series, the Under the Visor podcast with Parker Thune and Brandon Drum, uh, the 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 Quicksland series with Parker and I, obviously, and also it's basketball season. Uh, me and our guy Brody are going to be starting a basketball show uh, every week starting next week. Plenty of content to find either at OUinsider.com or here at this, at our OUinsider YouTube channel. Brian, should be an interesting, chaotic weekend. Should have a lot to talk about next week. Until then... We'll have you, everybody have a good weekend. We'll see you next week.